0: This is Fragmented Reality, a digital bulletin podcast designed to bust the buzzwords that dominate enterprise technology. My name is Ben Mouncer, and in this episode I take my clutch of eggs, each containing an industry buzzword, to Sanjeev Mathur, a Managing Director in the Energy, Chemicals and Utilities Practice for Accenture. Okay, Sanjeev if we crack open our first sure. buzzword. He's gone for a blue egg.
1: Okay.
0: Um, what do we have? DevOps. DevOps. Okay. What does, what does DevOps mean to you? So How, do you f- How do you define DevOps?
1: How do you define DevOps? Um, DevOps means developing operations in a much more, let's say, quick and uh, faster way. Yeah. Um, and so you don't have like this kind of developing a product first and then checking over the, the fence to an and operations guys, we actually do have a team of people who actually do both mm-hmm. do uh, you,
0: together. Do you see successful sort of DevOps strategies where, it, when you go about your work? Do you see DevOps in action quite a lot? I
1: would say it's in action for certain types of work, yeah. um, not for everything. Um, so it is getting into more and more prevalence in terms of, you know, these new packages which are coming in, right, which are essentially like uh, evergreen packages where, you you know, Hosted on the cloud, um, have kind of you know really easy to to kind of develop on, and then and maintain. So those kind of packages are getting much much more prevalence. Um, but I definitely see it's more and more of like a client clients want to do more of this mm-hmm. as they go forward. Yeah. Um, but I think from my perspective, it's it's actually, um, I would say. It's not mainstream, mainstream yet. It's it's at least in utilities. Uh, some utilities are more advanced than others, but I think it's much more let's say common in some of the other industries mm-hmm. like you know banking or uh, communications, high tech, and so on.
0: Do you see it becoming more and more popular in industries where at the moment it might not be so popular?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. because I think the key advantage of that, of this this mode of operation, is that you're basically moving to a, to a land where you don't do like a big bang kind of three year mega transformation programs where you develop something and then Three years later, you're gonna show it to the business, and the business doesn't like it. This whole point of this is like you know, you have, you, you're not going to develop things which are going to be heavily mm-hmm. customized. You're going to take things which are going to be probably up, mostly out of the out, out of the shelf. You might want to do some initial kind of um, potentially a waterfall agile hybrid type of development. But then once you've got a decent amount of product which works basically, then you want to give it into a DevOps, where you quickly engage the business in very short cycles. Because I think the world is moving on in terms of speed of value to be delivered to the businesses. And I think this is kind of where I see more and more, you know, every industry is going to have much, much more, let's say, pressure on them to kind of respond to the markets much faster than what they used to be. And I think this this is a good technique to do that. Um, There are some key prerequisites, though, to actually make this successful.
0: Yeah, so basically you see it being critical in a future where development has, people are going to have to, companies are going to have to develop really quickly and in an agile way as well
1: yeah yep. I think so and I think uh, and, and do it in a kind of a do kind of revise and then do again kind of mode of operation in a much much quicker time frame but also that kind of also gives you a chance to test things and if it's not working stop things yeah right because yep. otherwise you're, you're just too late
0: really good right should we go for our second egg Sanjeev sure. okay We're going for a yellow, yellow one yep cool it's cracking the egg open that good What's uh, this? Oh, digital disruption. <laughs> digital disruption. Okay,
1: That's a I like so I like
0: talking about this because um, I think I feel like this is a phrase that maybe is misused sometimes, overused perhaps. Yes, I to agree. talk about yeah. So yeah, do you want to talk about that and and why you feel it is like that?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, overall, if you think about it, right? Digital has generally disrupted certain industries, right? If I look back at the first time when this whole e-commerce thing came up, when I was. Mm-hmm. Still very, you know, young in terms of uh, my career, uh, 2000, early 2000s. I mean, you know, people were talking about like it's going to completely take over, impact retail. You know, it's going to be a and I like, oh yeah, it is going to disrupt it, but didn't really think it's going to happen as uh, as it has happened. So it has really, generally, if you look at now, high street retail. It's under really significant pressure now, because quite a lot of the digital is done online, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, you only go to the supermarkets to do your, you know, food shopping, which you need, right? I mean, everything from clothes and everything else you could potentially could could buy uh, online. So I think it has genuinely disrupted industries. There's no way about it. But it's also overhyped in many other uh, other ways, right? Okay. So, for example, you know, people have kind of come out with a new app for a particular, let's say you know retail process let's say in a utility industry it could be people have have seen many of my clients develop a new fancy app but actually that has not reduced any calls in fact it has increased number of calls because people are just going to the app for a particular thing it is not end-to-end so they just stop that and then call so i think the real challenge has been that you know whilst it has got a potential of end-to-end genuine disruption I don't think so many industries have actually fully rea- realized the value of that digital disruption because they have not been able to end-to-end transform things. They've had pockets of it, uh, but it hasn't really genuinely d- delivered like you know significant amount of savings. Having said that, I think there is a potential to do that, yeah. uh, but that requires kind of proper end-to-end business process, business people transformation disruption not disruption is quite
0: them. a hard thing to achieve isn't it because <laughs> yeah the the definition of disruption is that it's a, a complete overhaul of something yeah. not just not just iterative change but a complete complete, complete change and actually yeah. a lot of uh, uh, I, in my view i don't uh, and i don't you seem to share this view is that um when people talk about digital disruption they they're misusing it as a substitute for basic digital sort of change and digital initiatives is that is that sort of what you're saying? i
1: think quite a lot of the stuff is as I, said, I mean i always think like there are you know there's what we call, like, um, business, business process improvement. Yep. And I think digital will improve number of processes. And I think that should not be kind of viewed as a digital disruption from our perspective. Having said that, there are certain, as I said, certain industries and certain business models which are generally going to disrupt, right? I mean, retail is a classic example where I yep. think, you know, it has generally disrupted, you know, people's business models.
0: Do you think part of it is that business leaders want to be seen to be doing a lot of work in technology and digital, so therefore the language they use is... Maybe a bit more hyped up than it normally would be.
1: Um, I think I think it's partly true um, that they want to make sure that it's kind of a it's it's a bit more. rather really the troops. They want to make it a bigger bigger deal of it uh, than it is really. But I think, uh, but but as I said to you, right, in some areas it has genuinely disrupted as well. So I think they're also fearful that it should not happen to us. Like right? I mean I, I mean I work quite a lot with the utilities retail businesses, and and if you look at the utilities retail businesses in the UK they are genuinely digitally disrupted because they were like, you know, as you probably know, six big players. And, and it's not just digital which has disrupted that, it's also the regulation has contributed to that. But currently, as you look at the market today, you know, every every CEO in the retail business is scratching their heads and thinking about how to respond to that. Um, they want to come up with a completely new digital attacker type mm-hmm. business model, which is really, really low cost to serve. But the challenge they have is they have lev- they're left with this legacy base. And there are other companies like Octopus and and Ovo which are coming with a complete digital base because ultimately it was a retail business. And if you had a completely new kind of digital stack, which was significantly low cost to serve, that is general disruption. But it doesn't happen in every industry, right? And that's why I think the CEOs are probably Need to take like a bit more critical look in terms of which industry they're talking about and, and and what is the potential of disruption. But in general, it has impacted most industries, but not disrupted everything. Yeah, yeah. Is disruption
0: a word that Accenture uses as a company? Do you talk about digital? Disruption? We talk
1: about disruption yeah. as well. Uh, we we use the word compressive disru- disruption rather than a let's say overnight disruption. So, the the, the compressive disruption the, the disruption is when things start to change on the sides. You don't realize it, but it's actually changing your business model, right? So slowly but surely, you can start to see that you know chunks of your business is actually being disrupted and then suddenly you realize one finder that actually it has completely been disrupted. So I think it's that kind of language we talk about and that's why we, we talk about, um, we call about pivoting pivoting to the future which is kind of a way to think about how do you move from a current business to a future digital business but do it in a way which doesn't kind of completely kill your uh, current business because if you do too fast uh, to the new business you probably, you know, Kill your, kill your, your current business, uh, and you invest so much in the future business. Uh, but if you don't invest enough in the in the current business, and you are too slow, then you're you're also at risk. So, it's all about, you know, compressive disruption. But then thinking about we we talk about three or four things to do that right. So one of them is about, you know, um, obviously using digital to reduce cost because every business, as I said, has that potential, right? To do that. Second is growing the core. So in certain areas of your business, you can actually use digital to grow more. And then the third one for us is basically quite interesting, which is kind of the wise pivot as we call it, which is about how do you actually make decisions where you can invest appropriately in old and the new, because you know you, you you have to be really balanced about that, right? And then finally is scaling the new, right? So so you you scale the new part of it. But I think, as I said, this is a st- standard kind of way we think about talking to men companies, and I think it's a it's a very thoughtful way of thinking about it because it's not like putting. All your exit to the new basket. It's actually trying to reduce cost in the core, which I think digital offers a lot of potential. It's not fully disruptive, but it's a reducing costs, right? Yeah. Which gives you the free cash flow to invest in
0: in the new. Yeah. Really interesting topic, that I think. Should we move on to our yeah, third, sure. uh, third egg? Okay, I'll take the pink one this time. I've had yellow, blue, now pink. Okay. The next one Omni Channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a raise of the eyebrows from sanji <laughs> yeah exactly what do you think what I'm do you think,
1: think about my last experience of Omnichannel. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean is it, is it a word you don't is it a phrase you don't hear anymore is it kind of old hat um
1: it's a- it's it's kind of it it's, it depends on um it's an old hat but it, i don't see the companies that have still done it yeah. <laughs> is the kind of my experience of it right so i mean if i if i think about it um many of my Clients or even like what I use, right? If I go to um, um, do something, a, a particular transaction or whatever in a in a in an email and then a c- or a kind of a web based thing and then I call my um, provider on the call center immediately afterwards. How often is that kind of linked? Um, you know, sometimes you have to start again. Many times I have to still start again. Yeah. And so, whilst my expectation is to be completely omnichannel, so if I can move from one channel to the other. Whether I pick up the conversation on the phone, to kind of web, to call center. Uh, Expectation wise, I think that's what I think of what it should look like, and I think some companies like Amazon and others potentially do offer that. Uh, Amazon, you can't get to call center anyway, so it's only one channel. But some companies do offer that. Um, Having said that, I think quite a lot of the companies are still struggling with that omni channel experience. I'm talking about utilities in general. Yeah. Uh, And they don't have that, right? I mean,
0: why do you think that is?
1: Because I think it requires a, probably quite a lot of thought through process in re-engineering and pro- pro, you know integration of everything, right? In terms of, I mean, I know f- companies like water companies even like you know have got a very different experience on uh, on the call centre versus the web for a home move process, and you know and, and be- it's because they haven't joined the dots themselves in terms of thinking about like you know, what the end-to-end customer journey should look like and where are they falling through. And some other interesting work we have done with clients around this topic is looking at analytics, customer journey analytics which is looking at end to end where the customer starts across all the channels and then finishes like an end to end transaction. Because the customer started on the phone sorry, started on the web, couldn't get it to some place and then went to the to the to the phone and then had to start again and yes. then then they were asked to do something else in the uh, on a uh, in letter afterwards, whatever it might be, looking at the end to end journey and then figuring out the fallouts and figuring out where the customers are actually falling through. And then you find out that, you know, quite a lot of good insights about how customers end to end are not getting the to you the know, service yeah. and and that kind of insight is then but that's good to have insight but then the real challenge is how to execute on it and that's where I think our clients are struggling with because they've done a bit of digital disruption like a good few apps or a good kind of but they're still left with legacy systems in the back end. They still have to integrate those processes, they still have to make sure that the the data behind it kinda of hangs together as well. And so that is the real challenge which we find our clients facing around this omnichannel
0: topic. Mm-hmm. It seems like omnichannel and talk of like multi channel has been around for quite a while, but as you've said there, it's we've still not reached a point where and i think especially in industries like utilities where customer service is absolutely critical isn't it you you'd like to think that we, there is going to be a future where customers are able to or you know we, companies are going to be able to give customers a, a, a sort of single source of truth around this stuff. yeah and i
1: think as i said some of the smaller niche players coming in right i mean with, with kind of a, let's say less um, complicated legacy landscape yep. are able to offer that much more than the others right um uh, like for example i mean i'm um, you know, you're utilizing electricity from a new supplier recently, and that has been much, much more, you know, better experience because you know they have got, they don't have all that kind of uh, hodgepodge of back office systems and yeah. systems. So that's e- that makes it a bit easier. It's um, starting from a complete new stack.
0: Great, cool. Let's move on. So one, one more
1: one green one this time. The green one. That was a bit more exciting. Oh, big data. Big data. Ooh, okay. okay. Okay, that's good. Cool. <laughs> that's another hyped up thing, right?
0: Do you think people? Um, really understand what big data is? And how, how do you separate big data from just normal data analytics and data work? Like, do you think big data is falsely presented sometimes?
1: So I think for me, the big data is basically looking at um, a data set by itself, like uh, having a significant amount of volumes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you have algorithms, which actually mine that big data with, with insights, which you generally don't see from a human you know, extrapolation or be, be hypothesis-driven analysis, right? So that's for me is a big data. Just generally taking significant amount of data. Sets. So, for example, the recently the uh, some of the work which has been done by Google around breast cancer um, is kind of looking at like predicting breast cancer better than doctors can do, and that's kind of taking REMs and REMs of significant amount of data and then correlating that to actual patients. But then you can do that through the inbuilt algorithms, which are working on that kind of huge data sets, right? Rather than sm- what I call like a you know, normal data analysis like you know, you're taking a sample or you're taking a bit of uh, a, a smaller data set, a data set and then you're probably looking at hypotheses and you're trying to figure out like whether it's, it's does that make sense yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say so I think yeah. that's what I think about generally big data but um, I don't see that again um, it's kind of becoming more pervasive but it's still not my kind of experience of my clients. Yeah. They can do with like a, a lot of value add with small data before they yeah. go to big data, <laughs> um, because they still have they're not utilizing the data they have. Yeah. And so you know even taking the data they have and putting that together and making some analysis around that and hypothesis driven can get some good insights and then acting on it. Big data is the next level. Yeah. Which I think um, you know they should go and think about. The, the do you think it's cases. dependent on the development
0: of technologies like artificial intelligence and and you know machine learning those kind of technologies which will marry with kind of data sets that you're talking about, huge data sets. Exactly, and I think uh, I,
1: I, that, that's right. And so, I mean, like in the case of water industries, for example, yeah. you know, the sensor data from all these different kind of pipes and everything else, you know, that's kind of volume of data coming in, but you can take those that data set, but then you have to put like algorithms on it, with machine learning, and then those things to actually then make sense of it. And then you need to execute all that data as well, which is the, the other part of it. So I think, yeah, I think it's a question of getting those technologies matured, uh, which are actually going to do something. Meaningful with those uh, those data sets, I think they are maturing quite fast. Actually, uh, with if you if you think about like what what people have been able to do, like with Google with the data sets, they've been they've been really pioneering that. And some of these platforms, like Google Analytics platform, and uh, you know Amazon Analytics platform, these these are coming with modules which are actually already built in for some of those technologies, like you know, machine learning comes built in. So you need to probably utilize that rather than building from scratch. But so these are these are moving quite fast. Um, but I think. I don't see a pervasive use yet of these technologies in, in, the, in the business use cases, but I think they're, c- they're going to come in the next few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned
1: a minute ago, that, that
0: companies are still struggling with small data sets. Why, why do you yeah. think that is? Do you think it's a lack of, sort of skills in this area, or a lack of technology to support um, data work? I think, think
1: it's more? less technology. It's actually more about um, skills. I mean, to really get proper data scientists is a difficult task, and and, and for some of the companies to attract them is very difficult. I mean, we, as it is because we are a big company, we 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 have significant amount of data scientists which we have in different centers of excellence. So we have one in kind of Athens, uh, one in uh, you know Greece and different places. But we can actually have a career path for these guys. But if you of get them to a smaller company. Uh, with like you know ten, twenty, thirty people, yeah, they don't simulate. The, they are quite high in demand, so they, they move on. So skill is one of the things. The other thing, which is the biggest topic, which I think I found in, in many, of my, many of my clients, is that people try to solve the whole world in one go. So they want to take all the data into into a data data lake or a data warehouse. And by the time they do that, is three years, and they haven't delivered any value to the business. And I've seen projects being closed because of that. Yeah. So I think the uh, the challenge is basically a value-based approach. So what I mean by value-based approach is what we have found with clients is you take a value case, right? Debt or revenue leakage or whatever it might be, uh, customer churn, what is the problem the business is having? And then try to extract a bunch of data to solve that problem, get the business engaged, get business some value, and then move to the next use case and the next use case and the next use case before rather just taking all data to be kind of put into a common system, all data to be cleaned because that just takes a long, long, long time to do it. Yeah. And I think that's where I think our clients are struggling with. I mean, they don't have very good governance around data, right? I mean, some of the clients I have, like in utilities, don't even have a basic handle on customer records, customer email addresses, phone numbers, things like that. So you, know, you forget about big data. It's like, you know, even the small data is not there or their uh, data in call centers is in, in, in free format. So really getting some fuzzy logic to actually make sense of it. All those things are pretty the basic steps to do. Pick your use cases, value cases, get some you know, traction with the business, and then you build from that. I've seen a lot of companies trying to go for this big data data lakes, and, and they have actually failed. Um, so unless you d- you can have a vision of data lake, and, you can, and, and some of these platforms are not providing capabilities which you are can, can easily be accessible. But I think it's it's about really utilising them in a proper way.
0: Yeah. Excellent. We'll do one more if that's okay. Make it quick. Okay. Final egg. Final leg.
1: Okay. Already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see something exciting comes up.
0: Agile. Agile. Yeah. <laughs> a sigh from Sanjeev is Agile. Come no, on. Agile is. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, everybody's talking about Agile. So, yeah, go on. RPR, is everyone still talking about Agile, do you think? Um, I think people are still talking about Agile. I mean, obviously, you, you have to look at industries, right? So, I mean, my, my clients are utilities clients, and they're still talking about Agile, yeah. right? Like, I mean, uh, one of the clients I'm working with, they're, they're like a very slow doctor in Agile, and now they want to become an agile-driven organization, right? And then on the other, and other end of the spectrum, there are companies which are basically trying to um, um, move to, um, let's say, completely organizing themselves in agile teams and everything else, right? So, you know, some are early adopters some are more mature organizations. So I think yeah, people are still trying to move towards agile, but as, as I said, agile is a much bigger thing rather than just like a doing a project in an agile fashion, yeah. right? Because people, there's a lot of hype again on agile. Um, you know, I've had c- clients which, which kind of say, like, "We, we, we are adopting agile," but actually, you know, it's just that team which is adopting agile, with everything, the whole ecosystem is like completely like yeah. a hardcore waterfall or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. <laughs> and then, and then they don't even have the right governance around it. They don't have the right people who are actually empowered to take decisions, and then it's a complete utter failure. So that's the kind of thing, right? We are struggling with. It's like you know, there's a lot of agile kind of uh, thinking uh, which has been coming through, but it actually, a very few kind of large organizations are delivering
0: agile at scale what what do you think is the agile of the future do you think it will continue to be something that is um, a methodology used fairly frequently or do you think there are going to be new methodologies that ar- arise and knock agile out of the park what do you think
1: I think there will be always change right I mean I can't yeah. say there will be no new methodologies I think there will be new methodologies that will drive agile yeah. potentially out of the park you'll take some of the best things of agile and then yeah you know how
0: quickly do you think that will happen though like What's your sort of thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think pretty quickly, right? I mean, yeah. uh, because I mean, the thing is that the speed of changes is, is amazing in terms of what we are seeing in terms of, you know, as, you, as we are just talking about, like, you know, platforms, for example. I mean, yeah. for me, it's like people are, if you now look at technology, I mean, my view is that, you know, there are three or four companies with, like, billion dollars investments going every year in terms of technology platforms, and, and they are going to change the way you know, development is going to work and how you can actually, you know, leverage some of those technology investments they're making and, and, and utilize them. So I think that'll change the way you want to deliver projects again. Yep. Right. And so, so I think, I think I, I don't think it's too far away. We have to always kind of constantly be on the, on the move to say, you know, what is the best way to think about delivering a project and, and not be ready to a particular methodology, really?
0: Yeah. I think that is um, yeah, the most common way of thinking about it. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how things develop on that front. Sanji, thank you for your time today. Hope you You're chat. Thank you. Power up your day with the Bulletin Brief, the latest news, insights, and opinion delivered straight to your inbox. Subscribe now at digitalbullet.in.